Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. We're continuing a series uh, this morning that we started looking at how to talk to people with differing views than those of basic Christianity. Now, here's the thing. Some of you guys probably think, well, this doesn't apply to me because most of my friends are Christians and I work with Christians and that's all I hang out with. Uh, But if we're doing what Christ followers are supposed to do, then we're going to come across people with differing views than us because as Christ followers, Uh, One of the basic things that we're supposed to do, our mission, especially here at Crossroads, is to share and show the love of Christ and invite others to be recipients of Christ's love. If we're doing that, then we're going to come across people who think differently than we do, who have different beliefs than we do, who don't kind of see things from the same worldview as we do. They have a different perspective on things. Um, We're going to have conversations with people who have all kinds of Uh, different perspectives on lots of stuff. It's just naturally going to happen. Now, just just a quick summary. When we started the series, uh, we started it by talking about the existence of God and and looking at, yeah, God does exist, and how do we explain that to people who kind of look at us and say, well, I don't really believe in God and that kind of thing. And uh, we talked about the authenticity of the Bible, uh, the fact that there's archaeological, there's historical evidence that says, yes, the information is here in this book is real and can be believed. And how can we explain that to people who ask, well, I don't understand why you're trusting a book that's been old and rewritten and all that stuff. So we talked about that. And then we uh, started talking about science. And we looked about the creation of the universe. Uh, last week, we talked about the age of the earth. And, and this week, we're going to kind of talk about the evolution of humanity, where, you know, the origin of, of where we came from. And Some people may feel like, well, I'm never going to have these kind of conversations with my friends. But here's the thing. If you have children, how many people have children? Yeah, okay. How many people have grandchildren? Yeah, okay. Um, How many of you are, well, never mind. But here's the thing. You're going to have your kids or your grandkids, if they're in school, especially high school or college, not only are they going to be taught this stuff, They're going to be expected, they're going to be graded on, especially in college, how well they can communicate things that are not in here and different than what a Christian or a Christ follower might believe. They're going to be taught that, hey, the universe was created by a a, a big bang and this, that, and the other, and they're going to be graded on how well they can communicate that back. That's part of what they are expected to do. It's part of what they're expected to be taught, part of what they're expected to be learned. So all of this uh, is going to be relevant. Now, our goal in this series is twofold. We want to equip Christ followers to have these conversations, uh, talk to people who think differently than we are, but we also want to do it so that when we have these conversations, whether it be online, via text, Snapchat, whatever, we're doing it with gentleness and respect. And we said the, the verse that uh, is kind of guiding us through this is in 1 Peter chapter 3. And Peter has said before, here's someone who denied that he knew Jesus uh, vehemently and like with cursing and, and said, no, I, 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 don't, I have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. 
But then later, later, filled with God's Holy Spirit, and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ gave his life for him and was resurrected from the dead, this is what he writes to people who were being persecuted for their belief in Jesus Christ. He says, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord and always, always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Not arguing, not trying to beat down your friends on Facebook, just being able to say with gentleness and respect, here's why I believe what I believe, okay? Uh, now, here's the thing. Whenever we talk to non-Christians about this stuff, we sound crazy. Has anyone ever actually tried to talk to a non-Christian about, like, uh, where, where, how the earth was created or the universe? Or have you ever had to have a conversation about, you know, how God created Adam and Eve with people? And they look at you like, seriously, you believe that there was some, you know, magic wizard that made humanity. Whenever we try to talk about this stuff, we sound ridiculous. We sound like people who have no common sense. And actually, there's a video, tech team, can you guys, tech team, tech team, tech team, tech team, tech team, can you guys uh, turn on a video? Because there's a video I want to show you that shows you exactly what we sound like when we're trying to talk to people about any of this stuff and why we believe what we believe. Uh, Mr. Landlord. Yeah? <laughs> what are you smoking, an army blanket? Never mind about that. You owe me room rent. All right, here's $28. $28, fine. Just a minute. You owe me 13 weeks at $7 a week, and that happens to be a lot more than $28. Well, that comes to $28. Did you go to school? Yes, sir. Do you mean to say that you can prove that 7 times 13 is 28? Well, it's got to be. Certainly it is, because Mr. Rabbit and I, that, that, that's $28. That's what you get. If you can prove it, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you the room rent for nothing. You will? But if you don't prove it, you owe me double the back rent. Is it a deal? That's a deal. Okay. Do you happen to have any Crayola on there? Crayola? Never mind. I got it. Oh, you have? I got the Crayola. The 7 and the 28 is going to come out 13. That's your way. That's my way. And it's got to come out right. Now, first, I put down a 7. Right. Now, I'm going to divide the 7 and the 28. Yeah. I put... At 28 there. Okay. And that's cute. <clears throat> now, here we go. Seven into two. Seven will not go into two. It will not. That's a very big seven to push into that little bit of two. I should say it is. We ain't gonna hurt that little two, are we? Of course you won't. Now we take the two. Open your hand. Yes. And I put that two right there for safekeeping. But don't drop it and don't lose it. Now, seven into eight. Once. Once. I put the one over here. One over there. Now, we're going to carry the seven because it's very big and it's getting heavy on my shoulders and I'm going to drop the seven under there. Now, seven from eight... Is one. Is one. I put the one down there. Mm-hmm. Now it comes. Would you mind opening up your palm of your hand, please? I would like to use that two. Open it up. Give me that two. You had it long enough. <laughs> I'm going to put that two right there. Now, seven in the 21? Three times. That's right. Seven in the 28? Thirteen. have to prove this even better than that. You can prove it very easily by multiplication. You mean you want me to multiply it? No, no, not multiply, multiply. <laughs> multiply. All right, all right, all right. Multiply it. Seven times 13 is Prove it. Go ahead. Now, first, we've got to put down a 13, right? Right. There's a 13. Times seven. Times seven. Right. Seven weeks times 13, right? 
Seven times three? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Seven times one? Seven. Seven. Seven and one? Eight. And two to carry. Twenty-eight. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm still not convinced. There's one sure way of proving this. One sure way, and that's by addition. You want me to addition it up? I want you to put 13 seven times on that wall and then draw a line and add them up. You want me to put down 13 seven times? That's right. <laughs> Let's cut them out right. <laughs> There's one. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Four. Four. Five. Five. Six. Six. Seven. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the idea of spreading them out like that? Well, it looks like a, a flock of seagulls gonna hit the electric poles. <laughs> now we're gonna add them up, right? All right, go ahead. Here we go. Three, six, wait a nine. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me do the adding this time. Good, come out right. <laughs> a three, a six, a nine. Just a minute, I will do the adding. Then there'll be no mistake. Yeah? All right. <laughs> Twenty-eight dollars here. <laughs> All right, sure. Now, go ahead. You had it up. Go ahead. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one. Twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. <laughs> So, despite my obvious obsession with Abbott and Costello, see, I'm more than just comic books. A lot of you didn't know that. But this, this is kind of like how people look at us when we try to explain what we believe. They look at us like, it may make sense to you, but it makes absolutely no sense, and you're wrong. And they look at us like we're crazy. But before I continue with what we're going to talk about today, let me do this. I want to show you what we're going to talk about in the rest of the series um, over the next coming weeks. And we've called the, this series, I Have a Friend Who Says, because many of us have friends who says, who say the things that we've been talking about. Uh, so we're also going to say, talk about, I have a friend who says, if God exists, why is there so much suffering in the world? Anyone have a friend who ever said that to you, or maybe they texted it to you, or whatever, and it's a valid question, and there actually is an answer. And we're going to look at how should we respond when people ask us that. We're going to talk about if I have a friend, uh, I have a friend who says, aren't all religions the same? Anyone have someone tell you that before? Yeah, I've had people tell me all the time, well, they're all the same. It doesn't matter which one. If I walk into a mosque or a church or a synagogue, all teaching the same thing, all this kind of stuff, uh, which is not true. Uh, but we're going to talk about that as well and how to say that. Uh, we're going to talk about, I have a friend who says, all the church wants is my money. Has anyone ever heard that? Okay, hopefully from no one in here, because that's not the way we roll. But it's a valid point, and when you turn on the TV, this is what they're seeing from the church. How many times have you seen a pastor arrested for this, or uh, a treasurer or somebody arrested for taking money out of the church, and all these uh, people gave money for one reason, and they got used for something else? Uh, and then we're going to talk about, um, and this is a crucial one, uh, and probably all of us can say that we have someone who has said this to us. I have a friend who says, how can God love somebody like me? Maybe it's someone who's been through a lot in their life or, or done some things wrong and says, you know, hey, uh, I know my brother before he passed. Uh, lots of the conversations that we had about God, he was like, nope, uh, I've done so much wrong. If I walked into a church, you know, God would crush the building. And I'm like, that's not the God I want you to know. That's not how my God is. But there are a lot of people who feel like that, that God can't love them. And these are valid questions, so we're going to talk about that. But this week, uh, we're continuing our focus, and we're uh, talking about the origin of humanity. All right? 
because a lot of people say that, you know, hey, it was, you know, has anyone ever seen this? You guys have seen this online or TV, this little picture of how it came from amoeba to monkey to whatever the technical term for everything in between to bookworm to couch potato, which is where most of us are now. But um, here's the thing. This message is important not just because it says, hey, here's where our origin comes from. And I'm, I'm trying to word this carefully. It's important because it determines what we think about ourselves and what we as humans, uh, individually and corporately, are able to accomplish. Uh, if we don't understand where we came from, uh, then we, we have a misunderstanding of our, the moral conscience. Do we have morals? Uh, we have a misunderstanding of our purpose. We have a misunderstanding of uh, purpose, not just for humanity, but for us individually, and a misunderstanding of our destiny. Why are we here? What are we supposed to accomplish while we're here? Now, here's the thing. Uh, most scientists would have you believe, and this is uh, maybe phrased differently, whatever, but this is what they're going to teach your child, grandchild, great-grandchild, whatever. Uh, once they get to a collegiate level, uh, this is what they're going to teach them, that all life generated spontaneously from non-living chemicals by natural laws without any intelligent intervention. That's a summary uh, of what they're going to teach because that's what uh, they believe. Now, uh, that process is a process called macroevolution, which some of you uh, may have heard of before. Now, if this is true, if macroevolution is true, that, that all life, you know, trees, plants, dogs, cats, humans, monkeys, bees, stink bugs, <laughs> all life, if we all came, if we generated from some non-living chemicals by natural laws without any intelligent intervention, if we as humans, that's where we came from, then when it comes to talking about our moral conscience, there is none. Because if, if life, humanity, we were just an accident, because it couldn't have been intentional, because chemicals don't have an intentional will, but if we are just an accident of a certain mix of chemicals that happen to hit together at just the right time, then we don't have a moral conscience. We don't know what's right and what's wrong, and the only way to determine that is what the majority says. So again, when Hitler decided, hey, I think all the Jews should go. If more people would agree with him, he would be right. When humanity said that, hey, enslaving people is right, if more people had stayed that way, I wouldn't be up here preaching. So if we don't have a moral conscience, if our morality, if things that we think are, are wrong or right uh, are not because of a moral conscience, but they're just the electronic impulses in our brains interacting with the chemicals, then, you know, like I said, the guy who walked into the church and killed nine people, absolutely nothing wrong with that because there is no right or wrong and there is no moral conscience. That's if that's how we came to be. Uh, it also means that uh, then we as individuals and as corporately as humanity, we have no purpose because an accident can't have a purpose. An accident is an accident. 
So that means that you, you can say, well, I'm going to make my purpose to make as much money as I can, or I'm going to make my purpose uh, to be a rock star, or I'm going to make my purpose to be a movie star. You can say that and make that your purpose, but you don't know, and you will never know, and you can't know if that's why you were put on this earth, because you were put on this earth as an accident of a couple of chemicals that just happen to mix at the right time and at the right place, right? It also means if you have no purpose, then you can have no destiny, because if your purpose was just oops, that's your purpose, then you don't have a destiny, which is why a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever feels right. So here's, here's, here's the thing. Macro evolution um, says that all of this is true. You're a chemical accident. which just happened. And then over time, those chemicals evolved into all the living things. Now, here's the problem with that generous, spontaneous, or spontaneous generation of life theory. Here's, here's the problem with that. And it's not a biblical problem. It's a scientific problem. Because once the DNA, uh, that whole DNA, and don't ask me, dino, sore, whatever, whatever, dino, yeah, once DNA was discovered in the 1950s, what they found was that your DNA contains a coded message, a coded message saying, here's what, hair color, here's how tall, uh, here's the length of the fingers, uh, here's the color of the eyes. There's a coded message in there. Now, here's the problem. Chemicals and non-living matter cannot create coded messages. Chemicals don't communicate. Only living beings can communicate. I can communicate to you. I can Facebook you, text you, Snapchat you, tweet you, and all that other stuff, but like water can't communicate to water. Wind can't communicate to wind. Oxygen can't communicate to oxygen. Now it can combine with other elements to make other stuff like H2O, oxygen, hydrogen can combine and make water, but they cannot communicate to one another. Once they mix, something else happens, but non-living things cannot communicate, all right? Now, uh, now I want to look at, here's what God says about where you came from. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. And that should be, depending on what Bible you have, on either page 1 or 2. Or three, if you have like a really big Bible with a big lettering. But in Genesis chapter 2, uh, drop down to verse 4, and this is what we read. Most of, some of your Bibles might have a title there that says Adam and Eve or, or something like that. Verse 4 says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, so there was no humanity yet. Then verse 6 says, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And verse 7, and this is key, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living being. This is, this is the Bible's explanation. And even though people look at us like we're crazy, it actually lines up scientifically. Because if God created man, then it makes sense that God can put in, since intelligent life can't communicate, a coded message into our DNA. That makes sense. That, that lines up scientifically. This also lines up with uh, things that we were talking about because if, if you look at um, the chemical makeup of man, and I don't know if you guys can see this up here, but there's a list of the, the elements that are in the body, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potas potassium, sulfur, blah, 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 all, 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 on and on and on. Almost all of these elements are found in the ground. Oxygen is in the air, and, and hydrogen, you can, nitrogen you can find in, in the water and stuff, but almost all of these elements are found in the ground. So it makes sense that if God took us from the ground and made us from the ground, that the elements in the ground are in us. Now that lines up scientifically. Now here's the other thing. This is, this is amazing. There's a couple of these elements like phosphorus and uh, I think sodium and a couple of them, uh, the other ones down there that you may not be able to read, boron, chromium, cobalt, copper, fluorine. There's a couple of these elements that they're not found by themselves. In other words, when they were discovered, there's a chemical process that has to be used to extract the element out so that now you have this element by itself. I think one of them is uh, phosphorus. It's not like you just stumble across, oh, here's phosphorus. It's mixed with other stuff, but you can extract it so that then you have phosphorus. And that's, that's true of some of these other elements. Now, here's, here's what lines up scientifically. It would take intelligence to extract those elements and put them in us. It doesn't occur naturally according to science. There's no way that you're going to find some of these elements by themselves. You have to extract them from the other elements. So scientifically, it doesn't make sense if those elements are in us by themselves. Are you, are you following me? Does that, does that make sense? So, so uh, it would make sense that God, you know, created us from the ground, which is why if you look all over the planet Earth, every people has a skin color that you can find in the earth. You don't find any purple people, and you don't find any purple land. You don't find any green people, and I'm not talking about grass, but from dirt or whatever. You don't find any green, well, in Star Trek you do, but that's a whole different. But you, do, you, you, you see what I'm saying? You won't find weird color. Every, every tone of every person that walks the face of this earth, you can find some level of ground, which makes sense if that's where we came from. Now, the other thing is it talks about the breath of life. Now, this explains why we have consciousness and some living things don't. This explains why we are, are set apart from certain organisms and microorganisms and plant life and even animals because we have a consciousness and an ability to reason, which makes sense because we're made in the image of God. But if we all came from the same one amoeba that was formed by all these chemicals mixing, then there's, there's some way, there has to be something to explain why from that same amoeba, uh, microorganisms and organisms came, plant life came, animals came, and humans came. There had to be some other dividing factors. And God says, yeah, I created 
humanity. I created humans. I created you different uh, from all the other things. Now, finally, this also provides an explanation for uh, the three things that we were just talking about. Moral consciousness. We were made in God's image. We have an innate understanding of what is right and what is wrong. God inscribed that on our DNA. Now, no matter where you go, and, and, and if you find tribes of people or different cultures or whatever, you'll find some things that are the same. Even though, even though they do it, almost every tribe culture that you walk into out of the blue, when we go and discover a new culture or tribe or whatever, uh, you will find that most people, they will agree, murder, wrong. Protecting my family, right. Stealing from others, wrong. Helping the less fortunate, right. And although you will find some tribes and people groups that say yes, that do engage in murder and do engage in whatever, um, they know what's right and what's wrong. And even in the criminal uh, element, there is a code of conduct. There is a right and a, if you can imagine, a right and a wrong way to be a criminal but we shouldn't preach about that in church. All right, but here's, here's what the Bible says. This is what Paul tells the church in Rome. He says, Romans chapter 2, he tells them, for when Gentiles, that means not, and this is the English standard version, which just spits it out in just good old plain English. When Gentiles, who are the people who are not Jewish, who don't know and have the Ten Commandments and the law, they're not supposedly bound by it, but this is what um, Paul writes to them. He says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, meaning the law of God, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. And this is key. He says they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. In other words, even the people that are doing wrong, they know that they're doing wrong. And the people that are doing right, that aren't, you know, they don't have the law, they're not Christ followers, they know that there's a right and a wrong. They know it. And, and what he means by um, their, conf their conflicting thoughts, accuse or excuse them, is this. Uh, he means that our human nature tries to overwrite what is right and wrong with what is right for me. And that's what our culture does. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. But our human nature says, well, I'm going to just try to do this because this is right for me right now. And that's what everyone does. That's what humanity does. And that's what God calls, you know, that's that sin in us, the human nature, our sin in us, trying to say, God, I know what you have written on my heart, what's right and what's wrong, but this feels good. I'm going to go with this route even though it defies what you want. Did you notice that no one ever continues in a sinful act that feels bad? It's always something that feels good, what's right for them, all right? So, um, second thing, so that's moral conscious. Second thing is our purpose, okay? The Bible gives us a very clear explanation of what our purpose in life is. In fact, Solomon, and we've talked about this weeks ago. I'm going to put it up in the screen in a minute. Solomon specifies it very clearly. Wisest man who ever lived, God gave him wisdom beyond wisdom. And even he, God gave him wisdom when he was a very young age, somewhere between 17 and 21. Uh, he was put into a leadership of the whole nation of Israel, had money, you know, more money than Apple, Amazon, and Google combined. 
You know, he had like, I mean, he was just, he used to cover things in gold. Once he got through just doing all the fun stuff that money would do, he just started covering stuff in gold just for fun. I mean, when you got that much money after a while, it, it, it is possible to get bored. But when he got to the end of his life, he looked back and he said, I had it so wrong. He knew what was right, knew what was wrong, but he tried to do what was right for him. And then when he got to the end of his life, uh, this is what he writes. He says, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, this is the amplified version. He says, all has been heard. And, and if you read through Ecclesiastes, he says, I've tried every fun thing, every passionate thing, every pleasurable thing under the sun. I've done it all. You cannot name something that he hasn't done. He says, all has been heard. The end of the matter is this, fear God. And then in the Amplified, they explain what fear is, not fear like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to get a whooping fear. Um, did I just offend all the people that don't spank their kids? All right. Uh, but he says, revere and worship him knowing that he is and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. And he says, for this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, that's why we were created, to fear God and keep his commandments, to worship him and to keep his commandments. He says the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances. If you have stuff in your life that's just not clicking, not working right or whatever, you know what his response is? Why is this guy on the planet says, hey, fear God and keep his commandments. Things will start clicking. He says, and conditions under the sun and the whole duty for man. Now, for those of us who say, hey, there's a whole lot of commandments in here. Which ones are we supposed to, you know, do? And didn't all of Israel go like downhill because they couldn't keep God's commandments? And Jesus says, yeah. So he sums it up this way. And I shouldn't say Ecclesiastes. I should say Matthew chapter 12. But Matthew chapter 12, um, someone asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And that whole list of, I think it was 600 and some odd different things that they had to do in order to obey the commandments. And then they added in a bunch of other stuff and traditions. Everyone added in their opinion of what you should do. And this is what Jesus replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. If you want to know why you were on this earth, it's to worship God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to make a difference in the world today, you don't have to create the next big technical thing. You don't have to make lots of money. If you truly want to impact somebody, just love on them. Because there are so many people in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, just like we said, they were looking at, how can God love someone like me? They look at, I, I'm not loved by my parents, I'm not loved by my family, I'm not loved by, you know, people at school, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. If you want to make a difference in someone's life, just love them. And we talked about this because we said um, the reason why that we have all of these things, last week when we were talking about... Uh, you know, all of these issues with hunger and crime and greed and abortions and poverty and sexuality and racism and child abuse. Listen, if you love God and love your neighbor, you're not going to let your neighbor go hungry if you love him. If you love God and you love your neighbor, you're not going to go steal from your neighbor, beat your neighbor. You're not going to sexually abuse people that you love. You're not going to hate 
other people who have different colors from you, different languages from you, different accents from you, or that, God forbid, love a different football team. We're just, just keeping it real. If you love your neighbor, even if they're across the state line, this is the, what all the stuff here is what we're seeing in the world today. And a lot of this stuff could be eliminated if we, not just we in this room, but if we in this room went out and we shared the gospel with people and taught people and told people, hey, all you've got to do is you've got to love your neighbor. And if you're fulfilling that purpose, why God put you here, then you can fulfill your individual destiny because God has given each and every one of us, everyone who steps across the line of faith and says, you know what, God? I believe that you exist, just like we sang about. I believe that you gave your life for me. I believe that you rose again on the third day after you died for me. And I want a relationship with you. And everyone who steps across that line of faith, then God says, hey, you know what? I don't want you to just be wandering out there without knowing if this relationship is real. So he seals it by putting his Holy Spirit in you and then giving you gifts and talents so that you can use them for him to love your neighbor, to help impact and make a change in this world. Not because you created something, not because you wrote the, the next best novel or movie, just because you made a difference in someone else's life. So we've been ending each week with a scripted response to each of these inquiries, and uh, we're going to do that now. So this week, and, and we were calling this, I was calling this, to the friend who says humanity is an evolutionary chemical accident, because that's, that's, that's what they're saying. It, it, it was an accident. Chemicals just, boof, came together, and, and, and that's how we were created. Uh, and here's what I would say. And as the band comes up, and I ask you guys to stand in a minute, here's what I would say. I would say to them, you're no accident. You were beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of a God who created you to achieve your destiny and to be with him for eternity. We are not helping anyone by letting people think that they have no purpose, they have no destiny, and that there isn't a God who loves them with a never-ending love. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into a time of just praising God. God, with our remaining time, we want to worship you. We want to acknowledge you as Lord, Savior, and as our creator. We want to lift our voices and acknowledge that you created us and you gave us a purpose and a destiny and filled us with your Holy Spirit that we might know how much you love us. And more importantly, right now, we want to set apart some time to do what we came here to do, God, and that is to celebrate you as we lift you up in song. Just bow your heads for a minute. Regardless of where you came from or what you're walking in here with on your shoulders today, do not walk out without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you. He gave his life for you. 
and he has a purpose and a destiny for you. And although there are lots of people that say there are different ways that you can give your life to Christ, all he asks is that you put your trust and your faith in him. Believe that he gave his life for you. Believe that he loves you with a never-ending love. Do not leave this place thinking that your life does not matter, regardless of what people may have told you, regardless of what family may have told you. There is a God who created you for a purpose, and he gave his life so that you might be able to fulfill that purpose. He has a destiny for a plan for you. Your life matters. And God, we pray that if there is anyone in here, whether it be just someone burdened by the, the cares of life, whether it be medical or financial, that you would speak to their heart right now, that you would encourage them, that your Holy Spirit would just generate within them that never-ending love that you give to us. And God, if there are people in here who don't know you, we pray that you would speak to their heart that they would acknowledge and open their hearts to receive all the love that you have to give them. To let them know how important they are. To let them know that they matter. To let them know that the creator of the universe loves them with a never-ending love. God, and we pray for those of us who say, yeah, we've stepped across the line of faith, but we've been just beaten down by life, by issues, work, by family stuff, by financial stuff, and we're just holding on to all that weight, and we can't see a way out. God, we pray right now that we would put all of that in your hands, that we would trust you like we did when we first stepped across the line of faith, that we would believe and receive that you do not leave us to go through this life alone, but you fill us with your Holy Spirit. to be there for one another, to support one another, to pray for one another. God, we pray that we would not leave here burdened, but we would leave here encouraged with our hearts soaring at the fact that you love us, that you help us through the trials and the struggles. Even when we can't see a way, we know a God who does see a way. God, we leave every struggle, every issue, every trouble, every burden, we just leave it in your hands and trust that you will see us through every situation that we're going through. God, we just give you all praise and glory. And as we leave this place, we pray that you would bless us and that we, by being the church to one another and to others, would be a blessing to you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said,